guys. Welcome to episode 58 of Eat, Drink, Write, an Urban Fantasy Whiteboard. We're going to talk about writing conflict into your novel. It's something we've touched on in other topics, but we've never done an episode just on conflict by itself. But before we get to that, how was your week? Oh, good, actually, compared to the last couple of episodes where I think I've been ragging on grad school a bit. I'm still yeah. ragging on it, but uh, it is better these days. Um, I have somewhat, I guess, not improved communication with my PI, but have done even more work than I was doing, which is satisfying to her, I guess. I don't know. But because I'm also working so much and that makes me sad, I write a lot um, and have continued that trend. So Louie and Delaney book two is now up to 15,000 words. Um, yeah, I've written like 4,000 of them this past week, maybe 3,000 in the past week. Um, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, it's actually doing very well to write itself, which is nice. This is the first, uh, second installment that I've tried to start that has actually like worked with me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause usually I'm like, oh, well I've, you know, I should try to pursue publishing the first one before I ever do the second one. It just doesn't feel right to start the second one unless Mm -hmm. I'm published or whatever and this one I have not had that issue and it's actually it feels very good so yeah I've I've thought before is it is it a waste of my writing time to start book two when I haven't sold book one but if they're talking to you you got to do what you got to do listen and they never shut up so I got to write them down with freaking fairies number two it's the working title is Durden Dragons but it's writing itself to be greedy goblins instead yeah so the whole I don't know it's still writing itself but I haven't written on that for a while Harper is still first and foremost I've she's got a best friend and I'm afraid it's cliche he's um he's a gay guy and I feel like everybody's writing the gay friend nowadays because of the, you know, it's all in the news and it's a, a topic that does need to be addressed and become the norm um, and accepted as the norm. But I don't know. I can't help who talks in my head. Yeah. yeah. I can't tell. I can't help that he is what he is. And, you know, I don't I don't know. Do you think that it's a bad thing? I don't. I was actually going to say that I don't think uh, you should think of the gay best friend as a fad. Uh, I think it is just a character. Um, and the fact that he's gay is like, oh, cool. He's gay, whatever. Yeah. It uh, has nothing to do with anything, but right. he ha- his part of, part of his conversations in my head are his antics with his lovers. He is, he's one of those, he is a funny character. He um, flits from relationship to relationship which is part of harper's frustration with him but she loves him dearly and and he's so charming everybody loves him yeah i can't it's just what he is it's how he he is talking to me in my head and i can't tell him i'm sorry you're you're not going to be gay because he i don't i don't think you should i don't think you should base who your characters are on you know what is perceived as a fad or you know because if you we talked about it in our diversity episode um, you know, just because they're like be, them being gay is not, uh, their character. Like they're yeah, not it oh, has, the token gay character. It has nothing to do with anything. He could be heterosexual and have the same antics with his relationships. It has nothing to do with the plot or anything. It's just who he is. That's just her best friend. Right. That's just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. I okay. think, uh, just like we said in that episode, just, 
uh, be aware of stereotypes and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, my week has been, I don't even know how my week has been. Today (laughs) has been a crappy day. Your dad has already told me I have a potty mouth today. (laughs) Well, I got it from somewhere. So (laughs) everything has been extremely challenging and difficult today. Mm. I'm trying to do e-filing because that's the new thing. And my program is deciding to protect itself on some things, which means it can't be e-filed. So then it gets rejected and it takes all this time to do it. (laughs) And I have other things I need to do. It's just today has been annoying. Wow. I mean, it sounds like it. So, so I'm ready. (laughs) I hope you have a drink. (laughs) I do. I do. Speaking of what are you eating and drinking? Uh, I'm not eating anything. I'm going to make dinner right after this. We've been doing late recordings lately. Mm -hmm. Um, so also I just realized my computer's not charging. I'll worry about that later. Okay. Um, but, uh, what was I saying? I've only had, I am drinking (laughs) a, a lime vodka soda. I have only had like a little bit of it, but I did make it strong. So <laughs> listen, I think, I think grad school has robbed me of my memory of things that like, just don't necessarily matter at the moment. Like my brain is full of science and my brain is full of book and that's all I have. So everything mm-hmm. else is like, Oh, I don't remember what I said two seconds ago. So be ready for that. This episode. Yeah. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what my excuse is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking my sparkling rosé wine and dad cooked dinner already. Um, we get the green chef because we're on keto. Yeah. And they are the best so far that we've tried of, of the keto meals. They have a lot more variety. And he made some kind of Cajun chicken thing that Ooh. was fabulous. That sounds great. So that's my meal of the day and um, of the podcast, I mean. All I have is leftovers, which I mean, it's bratwurst, so it's really good. But I oh, have been... Yeah really wanting like a Cuban sandwich. So <laughs> I might order, I haven't convinced myself to order yet. Cause like I could just eat my leftovers and save money, but you know, there's, there's that. We've been ordering out a lot. We had waffle house last night because Riley's been wanting that. Riley seems to get her way with food. Dad and I are not very hard to persuade when it Riley's comes like, to Do you guys want food. And y'all are like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Twist our arms. <laughs> we had sushi the other night, which is not keto one bit. Yeah. That dad was good. He had his, um, the, it's Taki. What do they do? That's the meats. Oh, um, like, like hibachi. Yes. He had hibachi yeah. and I, I got a volcano roll and a Bubba Gump Ooh. roll and I ate them and I loved them and I was very happy. So I love sushi and I think it, it just about murders me every time I eat it because I'm allergic to soy sauce or something. Mm-hmm. I, there's, it does something to me. I'm pretty sure it's an allergy just because of how I like the next morning I, I, I can't open my eyes. Like it's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, I have also been craving it lately, but Sydney and I are getting it for Valentine's Day. So I'm just going to save my suffering for, oh no, I'm going to have a talk the next day. It's fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's on a Sunday this year, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's my, um, paralegals anniversary. They got married at the courthouse on, well, there's your kitty cat. There's kitty cat. Hi buddy. Big old fluffy tail. Yeah. So half the time she's in court on their anniversary this year, her daughter is doing travel cheer 
the oh. she's really good and yeah they're going to be out of town at a cheer competition on their anniversary this year so it's always <laughs> something for her wow 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 uh anyway i've got jokes of course you do let's hear them I tried to come up with conflict jokes and there weren't very many. So I did a conflict joke and then some February jokes because we're in February now. Ah, good, good, good. What do you call a Sith Lord that avoids conflict? What? Darth Evader. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. <laughs> I am giving up alcohol for the month of February. Edit. I am giving up drinking alcohol for the month of February. <laughs> me this is me that was my i claim that joke as my life motto february is a really short month but that's okay we'll march on oh (laughs) i'm surprised i've never heard that one before yeah me either yeah me neither and i know that uh let's see today is wednesday we do our recordings on wednesdays which means yesterday was uh groundhog day but i don't know I didn't look. I thought I about either. it yesterday, but I was, I did a bunch of science yesterday. So my brain, it was not, it's still not working, obviously, but. <laughs> well, it is what it is. I mean, I just hope we see some more snow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of what my research came from is this article I found on masterclass.com. I've, I use them a lot. Wow, yeah. I'm slurring my words already, and I, I've only had a couple sips, so I don't know. Um, anyway, masterclass.com, I highly recommend. They have lots and lots of really good articles, and you can actually sign up for classes and take classes that are taught by real published authors. Awesome. So a lot of this comes from that. It, it, the article was right on point with what I wanted to talk about. So what is conflict? It is a clash between two opposing forces that creates the narrative thread for a story. Conflict occurs when the main character struggles with either an external conflict or an internal conflict. A literary device characterized by a struggle between two opposing forces. Conflict provides crucial tension in any story and is used to drive the narrative forward. It is often used to reveal a deeper meaning in a narrative while highlighting characters' motivations, values, and weaknesses. Yeah, I like that definition. First of all, it's very thorough. Mm -hmm. Um, It brings in a lot about what conflict is supposed to uh, kind of bring to a story. Um, But specifically, it brings in the idea of tension, which I think is the whole point of conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I just really enjoyed that definition. Yeah, and what it said... Um, and the first definition was that conflicts can be either internal, blah, 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 internal oh. <laughs> or external. Yeah. Uh, and I think honestly, like both should probably, probably, probably. <laughs> oh, be- y'all, you're going to really enjoy our, uh, sorry uh, in advance, our uh, podcast <laughs> this week. Um, um, arguably yeah. both should be in a story. I think both should be included. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was drinking. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So types of conflict, you have, uh, it's a lot of character versus, you know, when you you think in terms of the conflict. So character versus self, obviously this is the internal conflict that we were talking about. It could be the struggle to do the quote, right thing. It could be their morality that is causing the conflict. You know, they, they want this thing, but it's, you know, you can't get it with it 
following the rules? Do you break the rules to get what you want? Um, it can be a choice between things. Like, do you have to choose between your friends and your goal? I mean, I still remember Spider-Man where that scene in the very first um, comic book and movies, I don't, I think all the remakes may have had something similar where he had to choose between saving his girlfriend and saving the best load of people. Right. That is a huge internal conflict and there is no way he can do both, at least the way they set that story up. Right. And so we, as the reader or the watcher, if it, depending on what, how you saw that scene, um, it, we're struggling. We're like, Oh my God, what's he going to do? That creates tension in us. And it keeps us turning that, that those pages. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think decisions are a big part in this type of, this type of conflict. I'm actually reading a series right now, an urban fantasy series, uh, the Jill Kismet series by Lilith St. Crow, I believe. Um, there are six books in it. It's, it's decent. Um, but the character has, and the whole, okay. So the whole reason I started this series was because one of my favorite authors, Shannon McGuire, uh, recommended this series based on book five. And she said the way that book five ended was insane. And I hope you have book six ready. And that was enough to make me curious about what happens at the end of book five. So I just actually got to the end of book five last night. Um, and it, and it was a big thing. It was a huge thing and it involved character choice and it was very interesting. And I'm curious to see where it goes with the next book based on what happened. But it was this moral conflict choice that the main character made. And I was like, oh, I see what just happened here. And it, it has huge implications for what is going to happen in the next book. So. I mean, it, it's, think of um, the, it was Lord of the Rings where Frodo, the ring bearer, it can be any kind of choice in, in the one scene where um, the dwarf wants him to go under the mountain because his, you know, family is there and you know that Gandalf doesn't want him to do that. And Frodo has to make the choice as the ring bearer. There are all kinds of choices that Frodo has to make throughout that book. Excellent right. conf- conflict. And those yeah. choices lead to later tension you know, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Then you have character versus character, which I think may be the most common. I don't yeah. know. One character's needs or wants are at odds with another's. It can be a physical conflict where it's an actual fist fight. Um, I, I you know, watched that pirate show, The Black <laughs> Sails, and one yeah. of my favorite parts was the girl fight in it because it was a real fight. They didn't do the slapping, pulling the hair thing. Like you see so often it was a true, you know, fist fight. Yeah. And that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, So that was an actual physical conflict, but it can be a mental conflict as well, like strategy and outsmarting your opponent. Yeah, definitely. I, like you said, I think this one is probably one of the most common and easy to pick out conflicts in a story. Uh, Cause you know, you have hopefully your antagonist um, or a human antagonist, I guess we'll get into uh, what I mean by that later. Um, But, you know, I think most novels have antagonists where, um, you know, it's character versus character. Uh, But I think it's important to know also that it can be between friends. Like it doesn't have to be a character versus character, like hero versus enemy. True. It's Um, not always the Sherlock Holmes versus Moriarty, you know, the arch enemies. Like that's a good point. Yeah. 
I think in my book uh, with Mac, um, the trickster series that I have, she and her best friend in this first book have a lot of conflict with each other. They don't understand each other. They don't quite get where they're coming from. um, And it creates a lot of that tension and kind of isolates Mac. And that was the purpose of that conflict. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be between antagonist and main character. It can be among friends and your entire cast. Yeah, very good point. In fact, that makes excellent side subplots too. Yeah. You know, to make your book even richer. You can have character versus nature. So think of tornado movies, Twister. That was definitely a character versus um, nature. End of the world movies, zombie movies. I mean, technically zombies aren't characters because generally they don't have thought processes and there's no character arc with them. They're just brains. I want to eat. Right, right. Um, But that to me is kind of nature because they are a force that's not necessarily human. Right. Um, storms in general, um, you know, the 2112, 20, yeah, 2112, all of, no. 2012. 2012. Oh, we haven't gotten to 2112 yet. We sure haven't. Oh, Lord. I hope I haven't just predicted something. (laughs) Well, we won't be around for it, so. (laughs) Oh, sorry, future people. Um, in my book, Dragonfire, which I think I've talked about Chitara is the main character. It's a romance in that one. The world is poisoned. And so they are at odds with the world. The, the, the poisonous parts are dangerous. They're killing people. It's killing people. So yeah. that creates a conflict with nature. And then also in Kata's story, the one where she starts here in Atlanta and ends up in another world, there's something going on over in that world that's called wild magic, which is a force that's not controllable and it kills people as well. So um, it's very dangerous, which is yeah. a conflict that I've created in that book. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, I kind of ended up growing up on on these types of stories because dad loves these movies. <laughs> he, he likes sure Twister. Does. And The Day After Tomorrow in 2012. And, you know, Dante's Peak was a big one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up on lots of these kinds of stories. And I noticed that I have actually incorporated them into uh, my novels. Like with Aiden, the way that I've done that magic system is very based on the world and the environment is now attacking, um, you know, the the human population. Um, and then I've also used it in my Aura series where, you know, there's this giant implosion that happens in the first book and they're all like, what just happened? And it, and it is something that is environmental with magic. Um, so it is definitely a character versus nature. Like Ilona Andrews has one of these and, um, their whole world is based on the world having had conflict with tech between tech and magic. Yeah. And it's still in conflict. Peck is mm-hmm. still in conflict with magic and vice versa. So yeah, that that's a huge one. So it can be used in, in urban fantasy as well. It's not just stuck to those, oh, you know, Poseidon Adventure or Twister or, you know, end of the Absolutely. world type things. You can definitely use this in urban fantasy. Yeah. Which brings me to <laughs> character versus supernatural. Yeah. So this is very common in urban fantasy. Um you know, horror books are often conflict 
the the bad guy often is a paranormal entity of some kind. Right. Um, so it's against phenomenon like ghosts or gods or monsters. Um, and it raises the stakes of a conflict by creating an unequal playing field. I mean, how do we as mere mortals fight a god? Yeah. Which brings me back to the Alona Andrews also as well. That's, you know, her magic bites or her, I say her, their magic right. bite series. Um, they face all those things, gods and monsters, her dad. I mean, you know. So- yeah. Kate Daniels is also like, it, I mean, it is, it's a great series to reference for this because she fights all kinds of things and they pull from so many different myths and legends. Uh, like I remember, I think it was book oh geez it's been a while since i read in book two i don't remember where they brought in rakshasas um and it's just super cool the way that they incorporate these legends and uh myths from our world in order to make them real and use them in this character versus supernatural type of conflict i i think if you want to study a book or a series of books that to 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 study you know sometimes we talk about books that are great to study for a particular point this one really is good for conflict because Kate fights nature. She fights characters, character versus character with her dad, character versus character with um, the cat dude. <laughs> wow. Curran. Curran, that's it. I can't believe you just called him I, the cat dude. Yeah, he, he is really angry with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, but her versus supernatural entities, her versus gods. I mean, I tell you what, they bring in every conflict from every one of these they do. that, that yeah. we're talking about, including the next one, which is character versus society. Yeah. And that one, there's a vampire society and she has to navigate between the conflicts. I mean, so that really is a good series to study. Um, it's really good. As, as yeah. opposed as for conflict and, and enjoy reading it as well. It's an excellent right. series, but right. character versus society. You think about the dystopian books like the hunger games yeah, and divergent. Those are my two favorite dystopian books ever. Yeah. Um, the fight against tyrannical injustice. And you think about diversity in today's world. We did that episode on diversity. Um, but the norm as to society versus what people really are, the discrimination, you know, and in an urban fantasy, it might be people with magic are looked down on, right? You know, they're broken somehow. There's something wrong with them. They're feared. Um, So that is a great way to introduce uh, conflict into a book. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I agree with that. I think the fight for injustice is a big, is a big point for Mm -hmm. this type of conflict because then it's uh i feel like it becomes like a not a revolution but you know like a a fight for the greater good Mm -hmm. um and i I think that definitely has a place in in a lot of novels and that connects to your reader as well your reader understands injustice we've all faced injustice you know whether it's because we're women or because we're gay or because we're not uh, in a position of wealth or you know we've all faced injustice so we can all relate for that fight to break out of a system of injustice right so how do we create this conflict we've talked about the types that kind of thing but how do we do it the first thing that i would recommend is that you uh think about what your character's goals are not just your main character but all of your characters yeah 
And then how can you throw rocks at that goal? How can you prevent that goal from coming to fruition? Thwart your character. Yeah, there's this quote that I actually always hear or see, I guess. um, And I can't remember where I got it from. I think I saw it on Pinterest. I don't remember. But it's like, you know, ask yourself, what does your character want? Now, how can you keep them from getting it? Um, And I think that's a very strong base for conflict in your story. Definitely. Have your characters fail. If it's easy, there isn't any conflict to drive the the plot. Right. So, And it also gives the reader an, oh, no, what are they going to do now? Uh, Type (laughs) moment, which keeps. I love those moments. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those are good moments. Uh, Yeah. Your readers. Okay. So listen, I love to see characters fail. It's like one of my favorite things uh, that sure, maybe that makes me kind of sadistic. I do it to my own characters. You know, we just, we want to see what they're made of. Like, what do they do with that failure? How Mm -hmm. do they get back Mm -hmm. up? Um, To me, it makes them more lovable or if they're a bad human being, then at least interesting. Yeah. I mean, we can all relate to failure too. That's another thing. And we all want to know that somehow we can overcome our failures. And so we love watching characters struggle and overcome failures. Although I'm not saying to make the character, you know, we need loss. We, there are things that are going to happen to your character that they, the way they quote overcome it isn't because they solve it and fix it, but they learn how to deal with it. Right. Right. Which is something we all as humans need to learn how to do. We're all going to face failures and defeat that we can't fix and we have to learn how to deal with it and move on. Yeah. Um, Opinions. Make it clear what the opinions of all your characters are through dialogue, through actions, and then knowing, putting two people together that have opposing opinions is a great way to make conflict. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, what better way to create drama than to have two characters that the reader knows don't agree with each other having to work together. I love reading those too. Like Mm -hmm. I love seeing, like, especially when they're forced to work together for whatever reason, it's like, oh, these two characters got stuck in a room together and now they have to work together in order to get in. Like, and it's just the most amazing thing. And you know, they hate each other because they don't agree with the same, you know, ideals or whatever. I think it's great. You know, your dad has always come up with a, a saying, and I don't know if it's from a movie or what, but he's like, when they don't agree, chain them together and make them work it out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know where he got that from, but it's a great idea. They'll either kill each other or they will work it out. <laughs> well, and that's fun to read because there is that conflict there. Yes. Yeah. And especially if you make both of the characters likable. Yeah. What oh, if your yeah. reader likes both of them? Yeah. Then that's even more fun. Right. Um. Yeah, if your reader likes both of them, it creates tension when they disagree, especially when they disagree, it it can create all kinds of fireworks and the reader can see it coming. Um, It also helps for the reader to understand the viewpoint of all the different opinions. Right. I know why he's thinking that way because this happened in his past that we've learned through the, the telling of this book. You, you do see this a lot of times in romance novels. Yeah. And it's also like very frustrating, but also that much sweeter when they work it out in the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, make your reader want both of their goals to come to fruition, you know, make their opinions correct, like both of them or all of them, whatever, even if there is disagreement. Um, I love reading as I'm reading going, how are they going to work this out? How is this going to work out where everybody is happy? Like in a, in a romance novel, you know, it's going to be a happily ever after. And so you're reading it going, how is this ever going to be a happily ever after they hate each other's guts right now? (laughs) Right. You know, daddy says, just chain them together and they'll work it out. Well, um, yeah, fair. Another way, and this is one of my favorite ways to create tension or conflict is through miscommunication. Yes. So when characters want to achieve a goal, it is effective that uh, to have them misunderstand or to make wrong assumptions. Assumptions are another way to do it, especially if the reader knows. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this one because I was reading these notes and I I can't I I think I'm probably bad at this one. I find it very difficult to write a really? misconception because I already know what's true. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I don't think so. I don't think you're bad at it. I can't think of a time when I really do it. I can't I don't know. Now I'll have to think about it. I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, it it is hard in first person. Right, right. But yeah, it's not impossible. I agree. I don't think it's impossible, but I feel like, like in first person, the misunderstanding would have to come as a reveal, you know, because you're inside your main character's head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if your main character misunderstands something, then you are also, you know, theoretically misunderstanding it because you're going through this journey with the main character. Um, but you can do it by having chapters from different points of view as well. Right, which I do in Louie and Delaney, which like thinking about that, like they both definitely have misconceptions uh, about the other and like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, fair See? point. So that that's an example. Right. I mean, Louie's screwed up. So the, the just... cop in that one has misconceptions about magic and things from the beginning. Oh, that's true. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, to me, I think that is a great, great way to get across conflict is miscommunication and it drives me crazy in the romance novels because I'm like if they would just talk to each other about what they're thinking there would be no but then there'd be no book no that's fair enough I'm actually doing that right now with Louie and Delaney it's always been set up to be um not necessarily a romance but like an LGBT kind of positive story um and I am definitely using the miscommunication aspect right now so I love it You can also raise the stakes, which I think we've talked about this in several episodes um, at a time limit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Also make that time limit force a decision for your characters. You know, if there's a big decision that your character has to make, put a time limit on that and make them make that choice. Yeah. Don't let them have the time to think about it and talk to other people. You know, they have to make it right now. Right. Um, And then add a consequence. Yeah. You know, you know, only if you're really mean, which we all are. So, (laughs) Um, you know, it can be a good consequence or a bad consequence. So, you know, if I can get this done, I'm going to save the girl and be the hero. Uh, But it could be bad. And if I don't finish this on time, her head's going to get chopped off or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Wow. I like how that's the first thing you go to. (laughs) There is another joke that, oh, I think I sent it to you all in the, in, the family chat about yeah. 
the garbage disposal. No. And the husband, the husband. Oh yes. With the, with the bones. Yeah. I got a garbage disposal that's rated for bones and the girl's like, well, like femurs or fingers. Cause there's a big difference. And he's like, uh, chicken. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. That's probably what that meant. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I also think that way, but I think I just write a lot of murder. So I know me too. <laughs> that's writers will understand 100%. Absolutely. Um, create other sources of conflict. This is where subplots come in sidekicks that we talked about last week, sidekick goals, um, other obligations that conflict with the, the primary goal. Yeah. And then think about love interests. Yeah. Um, I think they could also provide a lot of conflict. I know that, well, me personally, me as a reader, um, uh, I get so bored with, uh, like wishy-washy love interests type of stuff. Um, so, you know, that kind of conflict really, like I will put a book down because of that kind of thing. You do Uh, hate that, um, love triangle and the teenage, what a young, young adult type books. I really do. I am not a huge fan of the love triangle. I know we did an episode on it and I probably talked about it a lot there, but I, um, you know, I think love interests do provide a certain amount of conflict for a story. You know, what if their value, you know, they obviously value your main character. They don't want your main character to get hurt. We all write urban fantasy. Your main character is going to get hurt. So, you know, there's, that is definitely a great way to add conflict. Think about someone who loves your main character your main character has this goal and is doing whatever it is to get to it your side character loves them and doesn't want them to get hurt so they're working against him or her reaching their goal and that creates betrayal is going to come out of that Um, but it's all based on this love interest this love you know so that is also a great way to add conflict you know, not to mention the enemies to lovers trope where two characters start out as enemies and eventually become mm-hmm. more than that. Like they, you know, become lovers or whatever. Because so. they get chained together and made to work it out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one of my favorite, I, I think it may be my favorite romance novel of all time is The Bride by Julie Garwood. Haven't read it. I, it was before you were even born, I think, that I read that book. That's how old that book is. She's a brilliant writer as well. But yeah. it's set in a time where marriages were arranged and, you know, it was just the way things were. Women had no rights. They were property. And they dislike each other from the very beginning. And it's wonderful to watch them work their way because they are stuck with each other. They're they're married. Yeah. And I mean, the man less so because men are allowed to do whatever at that time frame. <laughs> right. But and that character is wonderful. I think a lot of my writing um, technique comes from reading Julie Garwood books. Yeah. Yeah. She, she is wonderful. And she's now doesn't, I don't think she even writes romance anymore. She's actually moved on to um, mainstream type type books um really really good writer but um anyway totally got off track there (laughs) another way to uh introduce conflict is to think about what your characters value this is a great way to use your journal write down what is it that they value this isn't the same thing as goals this isn't what do they want this is what do they value they might value friendship they might value their family. They might value power. Right. right. Um, justice. 
mm-hmm. you know, and there could be reasons that are, are that back up why they value these things. They're not the same thing as goal. Right. Um, now think about what you can do to threaten those values. <laughs> yeah. How can you take it away? How can you keep them from getting, yeah. you know, those values or what rocks can you throw at at those (laughs) values um and then what happens if the things that your character values are in conflict fun fun stuff yeah (laughs) i mean what if they value family and they value power and to get power they have to give up their family i mean maybe it's moving to japan if they live in the united states or you know whatever right what you know and it has to and at a time limit add a time limit onto right, it right right and their mom's dying of cancer so, <laughs> and 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 yeah throw know, all those rocks <laughs> the what if thing guys yeah um what do your villains value because you want conflict there too yeah uh, i know i say it a lot but you know your villains are characters too they are people they need um, to be for sure yeah so treat them like people, you know, think about their goals and how can you keep them from it? And this, this one is more fun because it's, you know, how can you keep them from their goal? What lengths are they willing to go to get it? And that's what makes an antagonist or a villain fun to write because a lot of the time they will push boundaries that your hero will not. Correct. Um, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do their values clash with the heroes and, you know, probably, but it would also create conflict if they saw eye to eye on some things, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to bring uh, tension and conflict um, into your story using your villains values versus your heroes values. You know, I'm watching the series six right now. It it's another, you know, I like seal team and that kind of thing. Uh, it's an, it's yeah. another Navy seal, um, show i yeah i like a lot of different things but it's very interesting when the goals of the bad guy and the goals of the good guy line up it is very interesting because that well and that creates tension down the road yeah you know because we work together on this one thing but now you know i'm still very against what you are after and what will you do to get to that goal where where is that line that you draw in the sand and say okay I'm not going to kill this unarmed person. Right. Yeah. Dad asked me a question. He said, would you kill someone for $10 million? And I said, no. Nah. And I said, would you? And he said, I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, No. Well, no, no. First of all, on this podcast, no. But second of all... (laughs) Second of all, I think it would be interesting to know what this person's history was, like this person that I'm supposed to kill. Is it just like a rant? Like, you know, because you have the movie with the box and you push the button and it's like it kills some random person. Yes. No, I wouldn't. That was a good movie. Right. But But, I mean, and I I don't think I could ever do it only for money. But if you were in danger or if my family was in danger, then of course, I mean, I would hate it and I would vomit and I would, you know, probably be damaged for the rest of my life more damaged than I already am (laughs) I mean but not just money is not there there is no value to put on a human life I I couldn't I couldn't do that yeah no I agree but that was an interesting question you know and 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 in the conflict 
era that we're talking about here. It's not an era, the conflict realm, whatever. Um, What, you know, the, the villain might cross that line for many. Right. And I mean, like you said, add, add some stakes. So, you know, is the villain's family in trouble? Does the villain need money for medical care? Does the villain, they might hate doing it, but they're willing to step across that line to do it. Right. Right. You know, interesting. Yeah. Um, if you're having a problem with creating conflict in your book, then it may be that you need to scratch that particular way that you're trying to add conflict and brainstorm something else. Use the things that we've talked about and come up with something else. Absolutely. You know, I was reading this article and it was like, you know, the first thing you should ask yourself if you're struggling with conflict is, you know, determine if you're trying to use internal conflict as your main conflict, uh, which Hmm. I thought was really interesting. Um, it's very difficult to have a plot that moves when it's based only on internal conflict. Um, a lot of the time you use a mixture of conflicts in your story and, and your main plot, which is moving the story, which creates internal conflict and uses internal conflict is often external. Um, I don't think it's impossible to use internal conflict. I don't think that's now I want to. Now I want to write something that's based, it would be a Courtney movie or a Courtney book. It would, I'm sure it would. But I am curious without making it cliche and saying, oh, they're insane and have, you know, multiple personality or whatever that, right, that you right. know, without taking the easy way, I think there's a way to do it. Yeah. I, by all means do not think it's impossible. I think it would just be more difficult. And that's from my point of view. Like, I think I would very much struggle to write a book that is purely internal conflict. I have never thought of it. Yeah. Now I have to think about it that I, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, now, now I got something to think about. <laughs> well, have fun with that. <laughs> um, I think that's all I've got. Do you have anything more? I am done with notes, but I do have interview question. Okay. Uh, which type of conflict do you enjoy writing the most? Um, sexual tension. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that my answer for every interview question you come up with? No, (laughs) but it it is really fun. Kada, that story, it was totally unexpected. It was not a romance. It is still not a romance. There was no, they hated each other. It was one of those that he thinks she is ridiculous because she is a normal human from earth who knows nothing about magic and all these other things other than that her mom is a a witch as far as witches are here and on earth right um and he just finds her unacceptable (laughs) yeah and so here she is thrown into all this stuff and he's being an asshole and she is herself. And that tension grows between the two of them to the point where I I just love writing that tension, that conflict between the two of them as the reader watches it grow. And as I wrote it, it was really fun to write. That is my favorite I think to write someday I will do a romance novel, which I think is backwards. I think a lot of authors start with romance because it's quote supposed to be easy. It is not. right, (laughs) And so they move from romance, like Julie Garwood moved from romance, which is kind of formulaic. It's the happily ever ending, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she wrote, now she writes mainstream stuff 
I want to go to the romance, you know, Do it. I, I just, at some point I will. And I, you know, I, I think Kata might actually be considered a romance. I, I would be curious to know where the bookstores shelf that book. Paranormal romance is a genre. It is. It's a thing. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I really like internal conflict. Um, so character versus self. I think mm-hmm. I'm pretty good. Well, I don't know. I guess other people, I'm not published, but I think I'm decent at uh, introspection um, and, and getting across, you know, what a character is feeling, what decisions they have to make, the character arc that they go through as a whole through a book, uh, I think is my favorite to write. I really enjoy the character development aspect of writing. Um, I do too. So yeah, I think definitely the internal conflicts that they all feel. Louie has a lot of internal conflict Um, with reason right uh and she is one of my favorite characters to write i also love delaney she has less internal conflict but but she's fun she's great she is so optimistic yes or she was in book one the version i read (laughs) i don't know i haven't read you sent me it and i haven't read it yet yeah yeah. i'm trying to get through the um uh grave witch book yeah yeah so that I can read Louie and Delaney before the two books that from the authors that we read all the time come out that I just bought for you. Yes, you did, (laughs) which I got to put money in your account. (laughs) Um, Oh, after this, this interview question, I do, I might be slightly, slightly tipsy. Um, (laughs) I do have a sentence challenge though for, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you are interested, write a page with the sentence that I'm about to give you. Um, if you want it to be read eventually someday on a mini episode, um, then send it in to our email at eat.drink.write.podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, and today's sentence is actually a bit of dialogue. I think I've done that before. So quote, well, if you ask me, that's a conflict of interest, end quote. Like it. Yep. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Jen, our, um, patron, has sent us several. I'm very excited to read. Oh, and we, they're so good. They are good. And we need other people to send stuff in too. Yeah. Um, and I guess you and I need to actually write some as well. I do. I, when I sit down to write, I often go to Louie and Delaney. So it's yeah. very hard to be like, yes, I want to write a page for this sentence. I am at the point where I want to write Harper so bad. It's not even funny. Oh. They are, she is really, really talking. I, I've got the pictures. You know me, I always do pictures first that helps spark my my brain onto what they look like so that which helps me with their personalities for some reason I don't know right right but I was really excited to work today on Harper nice I had a brief moment which is another reason for my frustration it was very brief where I was working on the characters and Ah. that kind of thing which I love to do I love this phase that I'm in I just want to have more time to make it go faster yeah yeah so all right well thank you all for listening please check out our website at eatdrinkwritepodcast.com go to our patreon if you would like to support us we would love for you to support us it is patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash edw um yeah (laughs) you can find our email you can contact us that way we also also wow wow have um, links to our social media there on our website. Um, So just pretty much the place to go to find us is on our website. We got links to everything there. 
And we look forward to hearing from you to tell us more ideas. Jen has been great at giving us topics. Yes. Uh, We would love to hear what you all want us to talk about. I I love that we are unpublished. Well, I don't love that we're unpublished. I love (laughs) that we are at uh, a level of all of you listening. Well, not all of you, because some of you may be published. I am rambling. You sure are. Uh, Okay. I'm going to be quiet now. (laughs) Anyway, tell us what you want and we'll do it. Okay. Basically. Thank you for (laughs) listening to us. We enjoy it. (laughs) All right. See y'all next week. Bye guys.